You are Locked On Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's Friday, Utah fans, and welcome into another edition of Locked On Utes. I am your brown bear in the chair, Brian Brown here, co-hosting today by myself, solo, all alone. No Jake Hatch in the house. He is, once again, taking care of some family stuff. His little sister got married, so being the guy that I am, I said, Jake, you take care of business there. I'll take care of business here. So thank you for joining me. We've got a new, for us, show. I'm not going to beat around the bush it's been a long week for everybody, and so I decided that I'd kind of crowdsource a little bit for some of the content today, and we are going to do an Ask Me Anything on Locked On Use. so we'll see how this goes. This isn't something that I plan on doing all the time, but given the circumstance, tough week with a Ty Jordan funeral, tough week with a basketball team having to cancel a game, I just kind of figured that we'd get some some questions out there and, and have a little back and forth it's always more fun to have it with the community. So we will get to that. A quick preview of Utah versus Oregon on Saturday. That's again at 7.30 Mountain Time on the Pac-12 Networks. And then we will send you off to the weekend having fun, hopefully. Who knows anymore? This is the Locked On Youth Podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network for January 8th, 2021. It's Friday, Utah fans, and welcome into another edition of Locked On Utes. I am your brown bear in the chair, Brian Brown here, co-hosting today by myself, solo, all alone. No Jake Hatch in the house. He is, once again, taking care of some family stuff. His little sister got married, so being the guy that I am, I said, Jake, you take care of business there. I'll take care of business here. So thank you for joining me. We've got a new, for us, show. I'm not going to beat around the bush. It's been a long week for everybody, and so I decided that I'd kind of crowdsource a little bit for some of the content today, and we are going to do an Ask Me Anything on Locked On Use. So we'll see how this goes. This isn't something that I plan on doing all the time, but given the circumstance, tough week with a Ty Jordan funeral, tough week with a basketball team having to cancel a game, I just kind of figured that we'd get some some questions out there and, and have a little back and forth it's always more fun to have it with the community. So we will get to that. A quick preview of Utah versus Oregon on Saturday. That's again at 7.30 Mountain Time on the Pac-12 Networks. And then we will send you off to the weekend having fun, hopefully. Who knows anymore? This is the Locked On Youth Podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network for January 8th, 2021. Howdy, Utah friends and family. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Locked On Podcast Network. This is Locked On Utes, brought to you by Built Bar. And you know that we are built to bar any bad vibes from bringing us down. I That's not a read. That's just a bonus one. It, it's Friday. I hope you're feeling good. Uh, I hope you found a way to take care of yourself and, and make sure that you're staying on course it is a new year, and despite the fact that 
2021 is trying to show up 2020 already. Um, I want to be your biggest cheerleader. So here I am starting things out, pushing the good vibes and, and the good energy out so that we can keep, keep on our goals, keep on our tasks and do the best that we can and make sure that this, this year really does turn out to be a great year. We're going to start the show off with a little bit of news. Peter Costelli announced on Twitter that he was named to the Under Armour All-American team. Try to say that 10 times fast. Um, Posted a picture of him with his Under Armour All-American jersey. It's a great honor for him. He's not going to be able to play in the game because it was postponed. Um, Or excuse me, not because it was postponed, but because he is enrolling early. In fact, I have it on good authority that he will be coming into town this weekend. Uh, try to give he and the family some good recommendations. If you go over to the board at utezone.com, there's a big discussion going on about pizza over there. You can join in the fun if you'd like. Also, to be announced, um, Steve Bartle has been busting his tail lately. There are a ton of articles chronicling everything from who's returning for the University of Utah to what the projected outlook is. There's always the boards and everything else going on over there. So if you are not a member at utezone.com, go ahead and subscribe. If you are not a member and don't want to subscribe, there's plenty of free content over there as well. So make sure that you're perusing 24, or excuse me, utezone.com. All right. Without further ado, we're going to get to some of these questions from Twitter. We're going to start things off with at Utah punt team says there was a thing on 24 seven about the income of PAC 12 teams. What's your knowledge on that stuff? Utah seems to be doing very well. What's up with that? Alrighty. So what he's referencing is that Brad Crawford, one of the national writers for 24 seven sports ranked all the richest and poorest programs in the power five. Now these are football only numbers. So when you're considering this, take that into consideration. Uh, number one on the list was the Texas Longhorns at $156.1 million. That's a lot of money. Two was Georgia. Three was at 123. Three was Michigan at 122. Four was Notre Dame at 115. Five were the Buckeyes of Ohio State at 115, et cetera, et cetera. Now, what these numbers are taking into account is, is TV money, for the games being played, ticket sales, sponsorships, donations specifically towards the football program, everything of that nature. Uh, Utah came in on the list at number 25, which is very, very healthy. $63.2 million. Now, about half of that comes from the conference. That's about $30 million-ish between uh, TV revenue, uh, bowl games, everything like that, because they do share all that revenue from the bowl games and whatnot. So it is... A good number, but it is also very indicative of the fact that Utah is super, super dependent upon their football team to generate revenue for the athletic department. The entire department is usually around $90 million in revenue per year. So when you think about it, two-thirds of the revenue is generated by the football program. And I think anybody who's had to, shouldn't say had, who has season tickets or, or tailgate passes or anything like that realizes that that's been the case for the last few years. As ticket prices have increased, tailgate passes have increased, the cost of just about everything surrounding the football program has increased because it is the breadwinner for the University of Utah. We see a lot more sponsorships. Yes, that is a Les Schwab first down, even if we don't want it to be. But that is part of the problem with a program with like Utah where they are 
I won't say that they're playing catch up because they have started to pull even a little bit, but where they are not a legacy at, at the power five level and, and power five is, is not anything official. It's just a name that we throw out there to, to quantify all these, these programs. But by comparison, there's not the nearly the alumni base that Michigan has. There's not the program history or anything like that. And so what Utah has to do to, in order to counter that is, is really milk the football program. So at 25, that's a great number to have really where you want to start to get to as, as an athletic department is where your revenue is coming from other sources rather than just football, just the conference. Um, you know, there are ways to do that. Sponsorships are one of them. Finding ways to market the teams. You know, I, I loved what baseball did with the hats and, and, and getting people out to the baseball games. You get a season ticket when you buy the hat. The hats have always been cool. I think I have every single one of them. I missed out on the swoop one last year, but I've heard that it will be coming back this year, so I'm excited for that. And, you know, gymnastics has always had a full house, but it's not something that they make a ton of revenue off of just yet. Uh, other programs, just it's it's basically football and basketball, and that's pretty much it in terms of generating revenue. So that's kind of the story with that. Um, it was an interesting article. Like I said, Brad Crawford wrote wrote about it on twenty four seven Sports. Uh, Utah is far ahead of some teams like Colorado, Stanford, Washington State. Now this is football only revenue. It is not revenue as far as the entire athletic department. In years past, Utah had been below a lot of those schools. I've not seen anything recently updated with that. I'm sure that USA Today will drop something in the new year. But with everything happening with the coronavirus and whatnot, I would expect those figures will be massively uh, impacted. Alrighty, moving on to the next question. At 24-7 Lundy, Alex Lumberg, producer extraordinaire, executive producer for the Utah Jazz. Using foods to represent the offense, defense, special teams, and coaching unit, what would the football team look like as a fully plated meal? Offense would be a sh- – oh, sorry. I started reading my answer. I had to write this one out because I didn't want to just come up with something off the top of my head. Uh, I wanted to be thoughtful about this one. So I'm going to go with offense being a charcuterie board. If you don't know what that is, it's, it's a cheese plate with various meats and, and sundries. Sometimes nuts, fruits. Uh, I think people go really wild with the charcuterie board. Uh, I saw one that was like Twinkies and stuff like that. So uh, Little Debbie would be a great charcuterie board, in my opinion. I say that because I think that Utah's offense is a little bit of variety of everything. They don't really indulge on one thing. Uh, you know, it, it, they mix up the run game, and I know that people think that Utah runs the ball a lot. They do, but they do mix up the run game. They mix up power. They mix up zones. They run a lot of inside. They run a lot of power, a lot of counter tray. They run a lot of zone read. They they run a lot of stretch and outside zone, uh, a lot of split zone, a lot of du- – not a lot of duo. That's the one thing that I haven't seen Utah run a lot of. Duo is, is kind of where you – double team on the play side with the garden tackle to get some movement and then usually slip either a tight end or a fullback in there uh, to help clear a hole. Uh, it's more of a defined man blocking scheme. Utah doesn't do that a ton. They do run a lot of power and, and counter though when it's when it's an option. So they, they mix that up. They have a good variety of, of passing concepts that they use, play action, fly sweep, obviously, with a tight end. So, th- so there is a variety, but I wouldn't ever say that it's like a, a fully uh, fully prepared meal. You know what I mean? It, it's it's kind of like tapas. It, it's, it's not just this overindulging thing like, it, like you would think. You know, Washington State, for example, to me, under Mike Leach, was a pizza buffet, right? It just passing, 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 passing all the time. 
So that's kind of where I would describe that. Defense is a luau-style pig or a luau-style buffet. Uh, if you can't figure out why that is, it's because it's just perfectly cooked. It's delicious. It's always reliable, and it's always good, and I love it. And that, to me, describes Utah defense. Uh, special teams, I'm going to call that a variety of Oreo flavors. So everything that you want, double stuff, pumpkin spice, uh, sherbet, wh- whatever. I had lemon cream the other day uh, that was interesting. Um, so whatever whatever Oreo floats your boat, I, mean, I think everybody should love Oreo cookies. It's one of my favorite things. But a variety of Oreos because they kind of have a variety of cool stuff that they do on special teams. And I think for the most part, Utah's special teams has really just been a bonus. I think this last year, even with the return of Britt Covey, it was pretty good. And, and Jaden Redding was really good. The only thing that maybe was dropped off was was the punting game. And, and Ben Lennon was just not a fit for this program. Uh, but we saw in, in the later parts of the season that that was rectified just a little bit. And I would expect it to be... Uh, improved going forward as well. <clears throat> Last part of Lundy's question was uh, coaching unit, and it, it is just iron plates. That's all it is. They are just tough as nails and and just bare bones, and they just get the job done. So that's, that's what I would describe the coaching unit, just uh, pure old iron plates. Speaking of iron plates... Nobody wants to be stacking iron plates in their bank account. Everybody wants to be stacking gold plates in their bank account. So be the one that stacks gold plates in your bank account by signing up at betonline.ag. That's right. It is the end of the football season. We have playoffs coming up this weekend. BetOnline has all the lines available for you, a variety of options, parlays, money lines, Whatever kind of bet floats your boat, it is available at betonline.ag. Use the promo code LOCKEDON for a 50% welcome bonus that will get you 50% extra on top of whatever it is that you deposit. Like I said, they have NFL games of the week, basketball is going on, college basketball games, if that's something that intrigues you. There are they will set lines for you if you request it. They will custom set bets for you. Whatever it is that you want, betonline.ag has it. Go there, get signed up. Promo code locked on. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use that promo code locked on to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Alrighty, we are back to the questions. So far, two have been knocked out. How many will remain? Are they all going to be about food? The odds are probably strong that most of them will be. And I apologize for that for those of you who can't stand food talk, but... That's just the fat the, the the fat guy inside of me coming out, the offensive lineman inside of me coming out. I love food and and food and football go together better than me and any kind of girlfriend I might ever have. So we'll just go ahead and keep on rolling down these questions. At Matt Nigber. Matt, I'm sorry. I can't remember if it's Nigber or Niber. My apologies. I think you might forgive me. If not, that's fine because we're always fighting anyways, even though I love you. Uh, two pizzas have been ordered for you and a friend. What does your friend get to eat? A salad. That's it. 
Real question from Matt. Pizza, cheeseburgers, chicken wings, or Sandoz rink and discuss. Um, I would say just put them all on a slice of pizza and, and let's go for it. But Jeff Hansen of Cooter Sports Insider might try to stab me if I were to do that. Um, it's pretty much that order. Pizza, cheeseburgers, I go chicken sandos and then wings. But ranking these kinds of things is not my forte because there are days where I want pizza. And if I eat wings, it's not going to be as satisfying as pizza. There are days when I want cheeseburgers. And if I eat a pizza, it's just not going to be as satisfying. So I, I, whatever the mood is, you know, I'm, I'm there for it. And in fact, I think what we really should do is just have all four. Uh, serious question though for Matt. Do both David Lloyd and Nephi Sewell make all Pac-12 first team in 2021? I think there's a good chance. You know, I, we're still waiting to hear about Devin Lloyd. There are some other questions regarding him that I'll answer down the road. Uh, Matt, really going for it. Asked another question. I put my name in the portal as a transfer QB like three weeks ago, and Utah hasn't called me yet. Thoughts? Stay by the phone, my man. Don't do anything else. All right, moving on. At Braden Shamo, is there any real realistic Shamo? I'm sorry if I mispronounce your name. If it's Shamo or Shamo, I, I I am not great with name pronunciation. If it's not something that I absolutely know for a fact. Um, and so if I butcher any of these handles or anything like that, please forgive me. It's not intentional. I'm just a moron. Um, but let's get to answering the questions, which I can do. Is there any realistic chance Devin Lloyd returns? Yes. The early conversation regarding it is that he feels like there is some unfinished business. There was not a lot of great feedback. Uh, excuse me. The initial feedback from, from some scouts was not was not as overwhelming as they might have hoped simply because scouts had not had an opportunity to get to his film yet. I think he's a little bit more of an unknown commodity given that the pandemic is still going on. I know it's hard to believe because it sometimes doesn't feel like it other than when you have to go to the grocery store. He probably could do better by coming back to Utah for another year. Uh, I think he could be a day one or a day two guy. I, I really am high on Devin Lloyd. He is incredible. The staff definitely felt like there was a potential for him to leave this year. I think if he'd had a full season, given that he didn't and the season went as it did, I, I just don't know that he's ready to leave yet. I, I think there's a lot of opportunity for him if he comes back. He's still a pretty young guy, so it's not like he's Chase Hansen where he's 25 and just has to leave. So uh, I, I think there is a realistic chance that he returns now. As scouts start to watch more film, maybe they see what we all saw this year and think to themselves, yeah, let's give this guy a grade and let's take him right now. Um, also, handicap the starting QB for handicap the starting job for QB. I think that it's still Cam Rising's job to lose. I think that Utah still really likes Cam. I don't think anything has changed just because they draw they've brought in transfer quarterbacks. I think the one circumstance that, that we need to think of above all else is that if Cam Rising is not healthy, Utah's not going to trot him out there. And the other potential part that I could see is depending on what happens with the running back position, Utah may pivot to more of a running style quarterback. They've never had an athlete like Jaquindon Jackson before. He is massive. He is 6'3", 230. He runs a 4'6", 40. That is legitimate. That is really, really fast. That's like trying to tackle a two-inch shorter Cam Newton. 
I don't know if any of you watched Cam Newton when he was in college, but he was really, really good. It makes your offense a lot better when your quarterback can run for 150 or 200 yards a game because the defense all creeps up, and then the 15 passes he throws a game are all over the top for deep bombs for 30-plus yards, and it makes your offense really great. So that is a potential situation that I could see arriving if there is no rising um, but I do think that Cam just gives you the best opportunity to win, both with his accuracy, his arm strength, and his ability to make plays with his feet. Uh, I think that Charlie Brewer is just – I think he's an insurance policy. I think he's probably pretty aware of that. Um, but I think he just wanted to go someplace where he knew he would get coached up and get an opportunity, and, and that's Utah. They are very fair about that kind of stuff. But we're going to have to wait and see what happens in spring ball, and we're going to have to see how, how healthy Cam Rising is. And so I think that's that's kind of where it goes. From there, it's it's Costelli in fourth, and then maybe Cooper Justice. I don't know. that it's. I, I've not seen any of those guys play yet, so I have no idea how raw they really are. And it's not like the, the few little morsels that I get, I'm getting a full scouting report on, you know, the fifth and sixth and seventh string QBs. Um so this spring ball will really reveal a lot of that, I think. I'm hopeful anyways. Alrighty. How optimistic are you on the offensive line for next season? Can they progress enough to help us take the next step in in parentheses winning a championship? Uh yeah, I am optimistic. I think that there's a lot of proof of concept with this offensive line. You know, Satao Laumea uh was a second team all pack twelve and, and developed really quickly. Jaron Kump looked a lot better towards the end of the season. I think the only guy who really didn't develop as, as much as I expected, but but still finished the the year pretty well was Simi Moala. I think the problem with Simi is that people expect they hear me talk about his potential and expect him to be ready to go right now. Like my thought with Simi was that by year four, he's going to look like an Outland Trophy kind of guy, not year two or year three. And especially in a year where he's not getting the same uh, same amount of reps and same amount of development. And especially a year where they start off the very first game against probably one of the better defensive lines in the Pac-12 in, in USC. So I, I am very optimistic on that. I, I, you got all five returners, starters returning, six, seven. You know, everybody who's, who started in the game is coming back. They're all going to be competitive. Uh, it, it's just going to depend on those guys to get in the weight room in the offseason and, and do the work and, and to see how much they develop on the field. But I think they have a lot more going for them in terms of five guys all coming back. Nick Ford's a senior. They've all got more playing experience. So we'll see what happens. Um, I think it's really, really hard to put it all on the offensive line when you're going to be breaking in a new quarterback and a new running back. And that's not the answer that anybody wants to hear. But the offensive line is a reflection of what the entire offense is doing. And if they are able to block and open holes for a running back who can hit them, you know, Daryl Poston is a guy who reminds me of of a good offensive line with without a running back that could find a hole. Um, so that's a big part of it. And, and you're going to have a new quarterback essentially next season. So it, it, it's just going to be tough, you know, just be patient with it. So I, I don't, I think that they can be good enough to win a championship. I, I really do. But I think what it is going to be is that Utah will have enough dynamic weapons and enough uh, ability at the quarterback position to mask whatever the offensive line can't take care of. 
And that's another reason why I'm really high on what Jaconan Jackson brings to the table. At Pre-Roshila, do you think we still have Devin Lloyd playing for us, or do you think he'll declare for the NFL? Any RB in the portal? Thank you. Go Utes. Sheila, thank you so much for everything that you do, all the kind words and all the interactions. I appreciate it. Uh, I I don't think that Devin Lloyd's going to declare, but it's the longer he waits to return to school, I think the worse that it gets that his chances of, of coming back are because it means that scouts are watching his tape, and if they see his tape, they're going to realize how good he is. So uh, any RBs in the portal? There are a lot of RBs in the portal. There are a lot of guys that Utah is interested in. I can't talk about a lot of those right now. Um, you can speculate. Um, but, yeah, they're definitely going after guys. They're, they're a variety of, of different places and different, different types of players. But I think the names that Utah is going after are people that Utah fans will be excited about if, if they're able to land them. At Stephen L. Haglund, uh, Chargers fans follow Stephen if if you don't already. Uh, why doesn't Andy Ludwig use his wide receivers more often, and is that a long term concern in terms of recruiting? Good question. Part of it is this: Kyle Whittingham comes from the Dennis Erickson school of coaching, in which the most important aspect of football, or the most important part of the game, is possession. You can possess the ball two different ways. You can have the most number of plays or you can have it for the most amount of time. Utah chooses to believe that their defense is best when it plays up to 65 plays, up to 70 plays a game, no more. And so they're going to do whatever they can to keep it at that level. When you run the ball 30 to 32 times a game, that literally takes away half of your plays for the running game. So it leaves you 30 plays to throw to your wide receivers. That's not a lot of attempts. Um, So that's part of the reason why uh, we don't see a lot out of the wide receivers. Um, Because if you're throwing the ball five times a game to uh, Brant Keithy, you know, let's say even seven, now you're down to 23. So, you know, 23 attempts across three or four wide receivers is is really, really tough. I think we've seen Utah start to use them in in a variety of formats. We saw Brian Thompson take some fly sweeps. Britton Covey gets used in all sorts of different ways. So I think that's some of it. I think part of it is to be on the wide receivers, to be the kind of guys who can go out and make plays. Uh, you know, Sam, uh, Samson Akua was injured this year, so I don't put much on him. Uh, Solomon Enos is, is a great possession receiver, and, yeah, he catches everything that goes near him. But he also needs an offense and rhythm to really open up his game. They don't Utah doesn't work the sidelines a ton with, with their passing attack, and, and there's just not a lot of, uh, you know, swing passes or, or screen passes or things like that. They're trying to, to work it in more, I think, because the offensive line is getting more – uh, athletic that they're able to do a little bit more of that. But, um, I, you know, it, it's just they're never going to throw the ball 40, 50 times a game. It's not how Whittingham wants to do it. And, and as long as he is hanging his hat on defense, and, and he should because it's gotten Utah to the top of the conference and how it's going to be. So we'll see if that changes next year with a new quarterback that's maybe a little more capable. But I wouldn't bet on anything. And a follow-up to that, uh, and is that a long-term concern in terms of recruiting? I don't think so. Money Parks is incredible, and he ch- chose to come to Utah. I know his star rating is only at three stars, but I love him. He, he's going to be exciting now that he's starting to learn how to play football. 
All right. At LJ Mack, in a post-Larry Scott world, how would you go about improving the Pac-12's rep beyond just win baby? The old Al Davis quote. What can be done administratively, partnerships, non-con scheduling, game times, question mark. The biggest thing is that you've got to get people into your program that know what they're doing. And Larry Scott had that, and he's let them all go. So that's a big problem, for one. Second, uh, the first move that I would make if I ever became commissioner of the Pac-12 conference is to move the conference to Vegas. It just makes more sense. The cost of everything down there is much, much cheaper. They have plenty of studio space you can use. The, the, the production is just fine. The, it's available. There's plenty of people that you can use to do production. It does you no good to have a multi-million dollar office, office in a waterfront in the Pac-12 in San Francisco because you're not getting any meetings with people who matter. And, you know, I, I worked for a tailgate company that, that set up tailgates at Stanford, and, and I got to be honest, people never went to the games. They just went there because it was so competitive in Silicon Valley for parties that somebody wanted to try something different, and so they went super extravagant with it. People don't really care about football in, in that world like like we do out here. And so I think you're better off moving to Vegas. The second thing I would do is I would uh, in, increase Pac-12 championship weekends. And what I mean by that is, is I would make it a Pac-12 Palooza where you have a championship game on Saturday night. Maybe you have a couple games on Friday night in football too, carryover games, you know, match up kind of the way they tried to do it this year uh, where you do a crossover or something like that. I, I don't know if that will necessarily work going forward, uh, but the bigger part of that that I would want is I'd want a, a Pac-12 tournament uh, where it's just the Pac-12 teams and, and maybe each team plays two games Saturday and Sunday, and and so you make that entire weekend all about the Pac-12. Get national media out there. Get people coming down there. Get all the fan bases there and mingling. Fill the stadium with people. Turn it into the March version of of the, uh, or excuse me, turn it into the December version of the March Pac-12 tournament. Mix your football and your basketball. It's a perfect time of year. There's plenty of hotel space in Vegas. It would just be an absolute goldmine of an opportunity. Uh, I would also increase the bull ties, and then I would make sure that my primary role was to improve the network programming and make sure that the negotiations were so that my network was available everywhere. I think that's the key component to this is getting your network out there, getting it in front of people, and developing it so that you can reel in the kind of sponsorships that you really want. And so it's not just Pacific Seafood, which nobody's heard of until now. So that's what I would do. At Red SLC 1012, who takes the biggest step forward next year? Davis was an incredible surprise for me in 2020. So along those lines, well, here's the big deal. Vontae Davis was a huge surprise for me too. I, I was in wait and see mode with him and he was incredible. So I, I think that's, that's one to really watch. Um, I think Clark Phillips is a guy that started to, to break out a little bit. Um, Junior Tafuna. I'm going to go with Junior Tafuna. Who is likely to start who isn't filling an empty spot? Might link to the first one. I don't know that you're going to see a lot of changes at the starters. Maybe RJ Hubert at safety, just but that's just because Nate Ritchie's going to leave. Uh, any retirements? We have not heard anything yet, and no seniors have departed for the NFL. Uh, anyone miss spring ball? Well, spring ball hasn't started yet, so 
Don't know anything about that, um, but we will keep you updated at youthzone.com and obviously here with that. Fried or scrambled eggs, both. You know, sometimes I want a fried egg on top of a piece of ham. Sometimes I want a scrambled egg wrapped in a piece of ham. So I'm going to go with both. Uh, this is getting long, but we're going to wrap it up soon here, guys. Uh, at SLC Ute, I'm interested in the possibility of Wilmore coming back. Any buzz on that? What RBs from the portal could be Utes? Um, like, like I said, I can't give you names. I know who they are. I know who they're looking at. Um, if, if I, like I said, if you go to the transfer portal page on 24 seven sports, you'll see some pretty big names in there. I would look at those. Uh, anyone coming from a P five program, there's a good chance that Utah's taking a good look at them, especially if they've had a Utah offer previously. So there's a little sleuthing that you guys can do. Um, I don't expect to see Jordan Wilmore back. I have not heard anything that says that that might be a possibility. So I, I, it was a tragic way that the position has opened up, but I don't think that has changed Kyle Whittingham's mindset at all. Um, and if you don't know how Kyle Whittingham goes, if, if you're not all in with him, you're in the way and, and good luck stopping him when you're in the way. At SWAT Mary, if you had a 19-year-old daughter, which current player would you want her to date? The answer is Luke Felix Fualalo. My man from New Zealand, one of the smartest players on the team. Great young man, incredible football player. He is going to be dynamite when he starts to play. It's just taking time because he's never played football before. But I have a lot of confidence, and I feel like he might start popping soon in the spring. Second... I might go – Jaron Kump just got engaged. He would be another one that I would maybe think about. Um, man, it would be really hard. I I love Nate Ritchie. He's a good kid. Um, a lot of the new guys we haven't, haven't gotten to know yet too because we haven't been able to interact with them much at practice. Uh, you know, th- there's some – Junior Tafuna. I'll go with that one for another one. He's just a great kid. So uh, – no, I'm not favoring the lineman. Get out of here. At you, Daddy. Scrambled eggs. I, what is with eggs? Did I miss something? Um, I mean, look, I'm not saying I don't love eggs. I love eggs. I had lots of eggs for breakfast today. I eat them hard-boiled. Scrambled eggs. Are you a cook them until there's that gross skin on the bottom kind of guy? That is an abhorrence to eggs. If you cook it that way, please never enter into my kitchen. Gordon Ramsay, creamy, weird eggs. Sorry, I'm saying that's an abhorrence. That's not him. He continues with Gordon Ramsay, creamy, weird eggs kind of guy or pull them just before they are done and add a little sour cream so they are perfect kind of guy. So I am a mixture between the Gordon Ramsay, creamy, weird eggs kind of guy where I actually like to put a little bit of sour cream in them rather than the creme fraiche. But I do like to stir them a little bit. I like them to cook a little bit more and... and, and you know, be a little bit more bunched up. I also like to mix a little bit of cheese in there. Uh, I'll do a mixture of Swiss and Gruyere from time to time or uh, a little bit of cheddar and pepper jack. Um, sometimes I'll throw some mozzarella in there as well. It just kind of depends on what I'm feeling that day. Um, but, yes, my eggs are almost always perfect. Thank you for asking. My favorite one is I like to cook a piece of ham, 
throw a piece of cheese on top of that and then a fried egg on top of that with a little bit of sriracha on the top or hot sauce, whatever, you know, if you're a Cholula person or whatever. And that's usually what I like to do with my eggs. So at Outer Darkness. No doubt the Pac-12 has had a brutal last couple of years in both major sports, but I think they are unfairly treated by the national media, particularly by Canzano, the Oregonian, and Wilner of the Mercury News. These guys would blame cancer on Larry Scott if they could. Larry, thank you for showing us your burner account. Um, like, I think some of this stuff is just the disconnect when you're not around Larry Scott, like, like we have been, and, and he's not an impressive person in person. You know, I, I he is very academic. I, I can see why university presidents like him. He reminds you of a Harvard professor, but I don't think he's a very good conference commissioner. Now that do, that's not to say that he hasn't done good things because he has, but recently it seems like every decision he's made has had either bad PR consequences or or left himself vulnerable to articles from Kenzano and, and Wilner. And, and, you know, they have been more fair, I think, than people realize. You know, Wilner was very complimentary of the job that Woody Dixon had done. And I think Woody Dixon's a name that's notorious with a lot of Utah fans for that kind of thing, for the the, uh, the phone call uh, incident with the officiating. So, you know, it, the, the fairness aspect of it, I understand. Like, like, you're a fan of your team. You're a fan of this conference. Nobody wants to hear that kind of stuff. But uh, like, I don't know that that's the way that I'm going to go at it. Like, the national media guys aren't being fair to him. He's 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 taken a hard line in some areas where he never should have, and he never knew what he was doing with the, with the TV negotiations. Now, I think he's tried to get into some stuff after the fact, and he's done a good job in, in that regard, but none of it's come to fruition. So until it does, it's, you know, it is what it is with him. Had Fox on a box, any chance one of the RBs who entered the transfer portal come back? I don't think so. Uh, I mentioned this before. I, I think that Devin Brumfield probably ends up uh, somewhere closer to home. Um, it, it's just, it, you know, personal stuff off off the uh, um, off the uh, off the field with him having a baby, and I think probably just knowing that his time was short at Utah. I'm going to read one more question from at Rich Muirbrook. Who will be the most impactful incoming freshman? Ooh, man. I think that Ricky Parks is probably going to be the lead candidate just because he is a running back. They're very high on him. They like him a lot. Um, but and it's a position that clearly has some potential and some openings. I, I you know, it, it's... It's going to be interesting. Uh, Ethan Calvert, depending on what happens with Devin Lloyd, might be the other one. Um, but, yeah, I think it's probably him. Maybe Cole Bishop or Veltre Jefferson if he does play tight end. I think that's another good one. So uh, there you go. Two more follow-ups to that. What future youth should we be watching next year at the high school level? Lander Barton at Brighton would be one. Uh None of these guys are committed yet. I don't think Utah has Utah has one commitment in the 2022 class. Uh, It's JP Zamora, Um, Lander Barton at at Brighton would be one that I would keep an eye on. Somebody that we talked about this week, legacy recruit, his father Ben, obviously uh, up in the Ogden area, very very talented player. I'd keep an eye on him as well. 
I, man, there's a few. Dallas Vakalahi, a defensive tackle from West High School, I think is one that's really going to break out next year. Um, that that's one that I would definitely keep my eye on as well um, for Utah. But this this 2022 class is, I think, going to be. I don't think it'll have the headliner. Well. Oh man, it's this year's going to be interesting because I think Lander Barton's probably going to be a very, very highly rated recruit. He's just you know unbelievable. So, um, and then a final follow up question from our good friend and big time Utah fan, Rich Muirbrook. Without saying anything negative about any one coach on the staff, if you could have Coach Ted Lasso on the staff, what position would you have him coaching? I mean, the obvious answer would be special teams. Cause who to make who better to make you feel special every day than Ted Lasso? Uh, I, I, d- defensive coordinator would be interesting as well. You know, I, well, no, 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 no. I would I would make him my quarterback coach. Um, quarterback coach or special teams because you always got to hug your quarterbacks just like you hug your point guards. That's a Gordy Chieism right there. Um, and then uh, you know, just no no better guy to to give your quarterback lots of confidence than Ted Lasso. And every time you throw an interception, he's just going to look at you and say, be a goldfish. All righty, everyone. Thank you so much for the questions. This was fun. I hope you enjoy this. This was a very, very long episode. Um, uh, if I get in trouble and you never hear from me again, just know that, that that we went out swinging and we went out on top talking about eggs and luau's and uh, running backs, which is probably the most uh, perfect description of this podcast that you could ever have. Jake will be back next week. We'll have recaps of the Utah basketball games. We'll have more football news, I promise, because there will likely be football news next week. And a week from there, you know, a week from next week, Utah will be starting into winter workouts. So it's it's right around the corner, believe it or not. Um, And as always, we will keep you informed here on Locked On Utes on the Locked On Podcast Network. 